0: Okay, Jesse, we had a big switch from our normal with the prolific serial
1: killer nurse last time. What's the story this week? A conniving con woman will stop at nothing to cheat, swindle, and then kill her husband of only six months. But in the end, the villain gets a surprise visit from the karma fairy. I'm Andy Cassette, and I'm Jesse Prey, and this is Love Murder. Hi, Andy. Hi, Chessie. Welcome back, everyone, to Love Murder, a podcast about bad calls, hard falls, and love gone fatally wrong. You can find Love Murder on Twitter
0: and Instagram at Love Murder Pod and on Facebook by searching Love Murder Podcast. If you
1: enjoy this show, please love slash murder a five-star rating on your podcast app. Subscribe and review to help new people discover the show. As always, it warms our deep little dark hearts every time you guys leave a review. So thank you. Thank you so much. Also, if you're interested in supporting the show more directly, head on over to patreon.com
0: lovemurderpod where you can learn all about the different tiers of support.
1: Speaking of Patreon, we're thrilled as always this week to welcome and shout out a new set of incredible patrons. Brittany L. and Chrissy R. Elizabeth D. and Dominica S. Leah and Katie K, and Nicole H. and Jessica D. Welcome, guys. So we have a real wild case for you today, as I imagine you could tell from my lead, Andy. So this is a pretty well-known case. You guys might have heard this one, so hopefully I can give you a little bit more detail about a case you might have heard. It has been all over the media. You can find a Snapped about this episode. There's been a Dateline. My primary sources today are Poison Candy, a book written by Elizabeth Parker, who is the prosecutor on the case, and Mark Ebner, as well as I watched a Crime Watch Daily on YouTube to see some of this video footage we'll be talking about. But you can see some of that video footage if you watch the Snapped or the Dateline. It's everywhere. So, Andy, let's just get into it. What do you say? I think we should get into it. On Wednesday, August 5th, 2009, Dahlia DiPolito received the worst news any newlywed could ever hear. Summoned home from the gym by the police, she was met outside her townhouse by flashing lights, police officers, and rolling video cameras. Those cameras captured the moment she was informed that her husband, Mike DiPolito, had been shot and killed in their home. Beautiful Dahlia, lithe and lovely in a tank top and leggings, her dark, thick hair pulled up and flowing from her baseball cap, began to wail, collapsing into the arms of the officer who had delivered the grim news. Dahlia shook visibly and cried convincingly. To almost anyone, it would appear that she was just a young, grieving wife in true shock. Unfortunately for Dahlia, there were quite a few people who knew otherwise, including law enforcement. Her Oscar-worthy performance was wasted, because at some point, the con woman had gotten conned, and the predator had become the prey. This is a story about getting booty, getting betrayed, and some just really generally bad choices that would eventually lead to a murder-for-hire plot that became a true media sensation. I would also like to thank Polly, who is my dog trainer, (laughs) for mentioning this case. It was already on my radar, but she mentioned it. So shout out to Polly. So let's kick it off by talking about Dahlia's husband, Mike DiPolito. This guy had the deck stacked against him to begin with. He grew up on the streets of Philadelphia with largely absent parents who both had substance abuse issues. School was a challenge for Mike, who had zero family support and also had ADD and OCD. Mike began drinking at only 10 years old. He moved on to pot by 14. And by 16, he had dropped out of school and was selling coke and crack. Oh, this is not a good story right away. Unfortunately, he got high on his own supply and then some, which resulted in battling addictions to crack and heroin by the time he was in his 20s. He was arrested in the late 90s for possession with the intent to sell and then a year or so later for soliciting a sex worker. But Mike's biggest legal issue was the result of him getting involved in a boiler room type scam. So when he was getting clean, he had gone through rehab several times. He managed to get a job in this like boiler room type atmosphere which was selling and getting people to invest in rare coins. Okay. And he did that type of work in a couple different boiler rooms. Eventually, there was one that was about trading foreign currencies. And it was always a little scammy. When that last one went bust, he ended up deciding to start his own. So he went in alone on this. And he basically... Stole 14 different investors' money, all of them in the tens of thousands of dollars with no return on their investment. He was caught, arrested, and charged with organized fraud, unlicensed telemarketing, and grand theft.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah, this is a low point. He was sentenced to two years in prison, 28 years on probation, and to pay restitution to his victims. To the tune of $219,000. Was he clean at the time? I don't think he was clean at that time. He had fallen off the wagon at that point. Mike's girlfriend, Maria, stood by him loyally, though. She stayed with him for those years that he was in prison. She supported him unconditionally. She even sold her car to pay for his attorney bills. In prison, it did seem that actually Mike got the chance to better himself and he jumped on it. He got clean and sober and remained that way. Even after he was released, he achieved his GED. He vowed that life would be different when he got his second chance, and it really was for a little while. By October 2008, Mike had been married to Maria for over a year. He was slowly paying back his restitution, and he had a great job working in online marketing and sales lead management. He had a leased Porsche. He was going to a regular AA meeting, a very healthy gym habit. And it seemed like the sky was the limit for the 40-year-old. For the first time in his life, he had it all together. And then he met a seductive 27-year-old named Dahlia Muhammad who turned his world upside down. To be fair... Dahlia didn't come looking for Mike. Mike was the one who sought Dahlia out, still battling his own compulsions. Mike had cracked while Maria was out of town for three weeks and eventually gone looking for comfort in the arms of a sex worker. He came across Dahlia's profile on Eros.com. The picture was blurry, but he could tell that she was slim, attractive, and exotic looking, which was his type. When the couple met in person, Mike was pleasantly surprised to find that the Egyptian Peruvian brunette was even much more beautiful in person. Yeah. He soon found himself entranced with her personality as well. Dahlia, now this is coming from Mike's description, his early on descriptions of her, was an enticing combination of coy innocence. He described it almost like schoolgirl, but then they had this like mind-blowing amazing, filthy sex. Their physical connection was reportedly off the wall. Mike said that they could have sex for hours and hours at a time. And Dahlia indulged any kink or fantasy he had and she threw in a couple of her own. Apparently she liked it rough. The girl liked a hand around the throat. Mike, who had a predilection for addiction, had found his next one in Dahlia.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: It was pretty much on as soon as they got together. He wanted to see her the next day and then the next day and she felt the same way. And, you know, I think after like the third time she wasn't charging him anymore. It was like they were immediately inseparable. So by the time Maria returned from that three week trip, he immediately told her she had to hit the road. Ending his marriage after three weeks after she had stood by him. Yeah. For years. Mike felt that he and Dahlia had a deep understanding of one another. She lived the hustler life like he feel like he did or had. Dahlia was visiting her mother in Boynton Beach, Florida at the time that she met him, but she had mostly been living in California with a commercial builder boyfriend. Dahlia had her real estate license and looked to expand that part of her business, but she still ran a massage parlor in Orange County. She was also the madam of an escort agency called iSnatch, E-Y-E, Snatch.com. Wow. That sent girls out on assignment to clients that she solicited on Craigslist and Sugardaddy.com. Dahlia's girls specialized in the girlfriend experience, which, I mean, I could give a whack at trying to describe it myself, but I decided to keep myself out of trouble and use the description they used in the book. Smart which is a sexual adventure plus value-added affection without having to watch the clock on your time, which I think is pretty accurate.
0: Watch the clock on your time.
1: Meaning if you're doing the girlfriend experience, you're not getting, it's not like an hourly. It's not like it's up now. It's like it's for the whole night and there's affection involved. Maybe you go out to dinner. And they don't leave until the next morning. So you're not like, well, I got to get all my beejes in in 60 minutes, you know?
0: Yeah, but you're still, you're probably paying a higher price. Of
1: course. Yeah.
0: So it's like still like by the hour. (laughs) Technically.
1: (laughs) It's like when you decide to buy the premium package of something and it's unlimited, but you bought the premium package. It's a deal in its own way. Yes. Mike thought Dahlia was pretty damn entrepreneurial. He also appreciated that her life hadn't always been a walk in the park, just like he had a, a you know a similarly not super great upbringing. And she never touched drugs and she rarely drank even, maybe like a glass of wine with dinner occasionally. And this was very helpful for somebody who's in recovery. Yes, yeah. According to Dahlia, her Egyptian father was physically and emotionally abusive and suffered serious anger issues. She reported that he was especially and repeatedly abusive to her mother, who was from Peru, and that at some point he beat her until she bled. At another time, he cut off her hair forcibly with scissors against her mother's will. Cut off his wife's hair or? Yes, his wife's hair, not Dahlia. Most of the abuse was targeted at his romantic partner, her mother, but... He also abused her mother's parents. Whenever he disagreed with them, he would forcibly shove them or kick them out of the house when they all resided together. One time he was hurting her mother so badly that she called the cops on him. Dahlia did. And that was, it led to a rift because he couldn't forgive her for doing that. And of course she's like, I can't forgive you for what you're doing to my family. And this whole thing came to a head when her father had an affair and eventually divorced her mother. At that point, he left, and Dahlia cut all ties with her father, though she did remain very close to her mother and her maternal grandparents. Whoa. Yeah. Mike met Dahlia's family pretty early on, very early on in their relationship, and really did love her mother. He said later that she was part of the deal. It was part of the whole package of Dahlia. While Mike legally separated from Maria, Dahlia flew out to California for two weeks to break up with her own live-in lover and tie up some of her other loose ends. When she returned, she moved in with Mike, and the intention was with staying with him forever. They were going to do the damn thing, which is kind of a love-murder red flag. I'm going to throw that on the field here. When you move somebody out and then within a week move somebody in, It's like a life red flag. It's a life red flag. I know you know of one. I know of two, I think, relationships where somebody went from living with one partner to living with another partner within 24 hours, and neither of those relationships worked out.
0: No, it's not healthy.
1: No, give yourself a breather. Wow. Mike was gloriously in love with Dahlia, though. For her 28th birthday at the end of October, he took her entire family out for dinner at a really nice upscale Italian restaurant. And the night seemed like it was going very well until a man in a suit holding a bouquet of flowers showed up begging for Dahlia's attention. Uh. Turns out this was the ex she'd been living with in California who had come out to try to win her back. Was he holding up a boombox too? (laughs) Yeah, which is also like, so Mike didn't think this was a sus at all. He was actually really happy with the way Dahlia dealt with it. She got up. She's like, I'm going to deal with this. She took him outside. And he said, like, within 30 seconds, she was back. She didn't spend any time with him. And she was like, I'm sorry. Obviously, this transition happened really fast. I'm over him. I'm with you. You're mine. He's gone. I love you. And he was like, yes, he believed it. He didn't think that this was a red flag at all. But it, to me, would be a red flag because i'd be like well how did he know where you were how did he know that you were at this specific italian restaurant if you weren't still in communication with him yeah no it's weird it's weird but mike was so into dahlia that he didn't even it didn't even register in his mind they had the perfect relationship and the only thing that gave him cause to think maybe this wasn't the relationship for him was when he planned a super special New Year's trip to Vegas. And because he's on probation, he usually can't leave the county, but he set up a business meeting in Vegas around the time of New Year's so that he was able to have a reason to leave. So he got a special dispensation to leave the state. And he took Dahlia on this kind of fantasy Vegas trip. They did gambling. They went to fancy restaurants and they went to an ultimate fighting championship, which I guess he was a big fan of. Waking up early and hitting the gym was an important part of Mike's recovery. And he also, he very much looks like a Jersey Shore guy. He's like GTL. I was going to ask. Yeah, he is GTL for life. If you guys are not Jersey Shore viewers, that's gym tanning laundry. And they looked like a really good couple together. Like she's really pretty, thin, looks like a big gym goer, very tan, super duper tan went tanning a ton too. And he's got that same kind of look. Like they looked like a cute, well-matched couple. And so he woke up in the morning and I guess Dahlia had asked him to wait for her to go to the gym. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, like if he didn't wake her up or what happened, but he went to the gym without her. And when he came back, she threw an absolutely epic shit fit about it and was going in on him in this way that he had never seen her have like a full blown tantrum. It was a tantrum. And then I guess for the rest of the trip, it was miserable and she kept bringing it back up, this very small, minuscule thing. So he had such a miserable time, but by the time they got back to Boynton Beach, he was like, this isn't working out. I rushed things, obviously. I don't even really know you or your personality that well. And she was like, are you breaking up with me? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I think we should really put the brakes on. Like, maybe not a breakup, but we should take a break at least. And she had, again, a full-blown meltdown. She was screaming at him, no one's ever broken up with me. You're not going to be the first. You know, screw you. And he's like, whoa, okay. Dodged a bullet. She moved back in with her mom. But they stayed in communication. And he realized he missed her. So about a month after this happened, they went to a coffee shop and they got together. And he said that she seemed more mature. She seemed pretty contrite about what had happened. And he realized how much he had missed her and how much he loved her. So they're talking about how maybe they can work it out. What would make them both feel more secure in this relationship? And he says, well, maybe we should just get married. Oh my God. And she said, (laughs) she said, yeah, of course. That sounds great. I mean, you got to get me a ring, but we'll do this thing. So after he purchased a $26,000 engagement ring for her. What? Yeah, and that's thirty-five grand in today's money. They were off to the races or the altar, as it may be. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Also, if you have a bad relationship, a really bad relationship, and it's bad within, what, it's only been two months that they've been together? Three months? Getting married isn't going to solve that, kids.
0: No, nor a 35K ring.
1: No. No. Unless you're banking on divorcing and pawning that shit later. Then it'll help at least one person out in this relationship. On January 28, 2009, Mike's divorce from Maria was finalized. The next day, the 29th, Mike closed on the purchase of a Boynton Beach townhouse so that they could live only five minutes away from Dahlia's mother. So he bought them a house. And then on February 2nd, less than a week after Mike's divorce was finalized, and roughly about four months or so after meeting, Mike and Dahlia were married in a courthouse ceremony on Groundhog's Day. On groundhog Day. <laughs> see, the groundhog came up, and he's like, "Let me see if this uh, marriage is gonna work out." And he went, "Nope."
0: <laughs> Boop burrowed back into the ground as fast as he could. His little butt and legs came up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Mike apparently missed the groundhog because he was over the moon. He said that the sex never dropped off, no matter even if they were fighting. The sex was always unbelievable. I mean, that ass was on tap. He could not have been happier. And Dali also seemed genuinely very loving and affectionate, something that Mike had craved his whole life. She wrote him little love notes like the following one from February of 2009. To my husband, the love of my life, my soulmate, my best friend, my everything. You make me so incredibly happy. This is my dolly voice. Since I met you, I never hesitated and never had any doubts. You are such an amazing husband. Baby, you are my dream. I promise to love you now, always, and forever. The number four. With a four. (laughs) Forever. Are you sure there's not
0: like a caveat in there somewhere about the time that he went to the gym without her?
1: (laughs) Unless you go to the gym without me and then it's over. So he thought everything was great. And then it got even better because she said that she wanted to help him out financially. She had done really well with her escort business, with her massage parlor. She was now starting her real estate career. And he believed she was doing well at that. So she had some coins. She was doing well. And the one thing that drove her crazy was that because he was on probation, They couldn't travel together because he had to pay this restitution back. He had to hide all his money. So when she wanted all these expensive things like the ring and trips, they had to find ways around it and hiding it from the government because he's supposed to be paying his victims back before he buys expensive jewelry for his mistress wife. Yeah. So she doesn't want to have to deal with it anymore. So she says, look, he can get off of probation if he finishes paying his restitution. She's like, let's just do it. If you can pony up a hundred grand, I'll give you 91. And that was what was remaining. So the original amount was like 219 and now he owes 191. So she's like, you get hundred together, I'll give you 91. Or rather you give me the hundred, I will take my own 91 and I'll pay the restitution for you. So he thought that was amazing. Now, because he had been hiding money from the government, he had squirreled away in mostly in cash, in like safety deposit boxes, almost $250,000. How? <laughs> I don't know. Let's hold aside what Mike's been up to because I truly do not know. So he had saved this money and he could have, in theory, just plunked down the money and paid the whole one ninety one. But he wanted to provide Dahlia with this lifestyle that she'd become accustomed to. He wanted to pay his mortgage. He wanted to pay for various other things he thought he needed in his life so he had been deciding to do a very slow payment plan with the restitution and still enjoy his leased porsche etc the fact that dahlia promised to pay off essentially half of his restitution really felt like an incredible act of love and a gift for their future so he's even deeper with her so Dahlia says she's gotta move some money around to free up her own money. The plan is that Mike is going to write her checks in six to eight thousand dollar increments, which she believes will make these gifts fly under the radar of the IRS. Then she'll get his hundred thousand with her ninety-one thousand, and then she's going to wire the full amount over to his attorney. That's the plan. Okay. So Starting only two weeks after they got married, he starts slowly giving her this money until by I think early March, all of the hundred thousand dollars that he's given her is in her account. And it's time to wire the funds. But his attorney never gets the funds. And it's been weeks. And she's like, Oh, you know, I wired it through the Cayman Islands to save some money, and things can get held up. And his attorney's like, Bruh. A wire transfer takes like two days. It doesn't take a month max. max. Yeah. So she's lying to you and she's like, no, something's going on. I'm going to check it out. It's a, it's fine. She shows him a receipt. Here's the receipt of the wire transfer. I mean, I don't know what's going on. And then when the attorney is giving her pushback, she's like, you know what happened? The attorney stole it from you. He got it and he's taking it. So Mike doesn't know what to think because he doesn't know why... She would say she was going to do this thing. She is claiming that ninety one thousand dollars of her own money is tied up in this. Like, so he wants to believe his wife. He's like, I don't know what the the hell is going on with this money situation, and it's getting worse because these really strange things start happening to him. One night, it was very conveniently the night after he had sent the last payment to make it the hundred grand. They're sitting around at home, and all of a sudden, it's the night of March twelfth. His parole officer and half a dozen uniformed officers burst into the home and they have a warrant to search the place because they got an anonymous tip that Mike was selling ecstasy and steroids, which would obviously be a violation of his probation.
0: Yeah, it'd be a violation of the law for a lot of.
1: Yes, that too. (laughs) It would be a big problem. I mean, he'd be thrown right back in to jail for a considerable amount of time. So the raid came up empty. But after that, Mike's parole officer was like coming down hard on him. He had previously not done a random search for years. And now he was showing up like every other week to keep an eye on him. So that very same weekend that that happened, Dahlia was like, that was really stressful. Why don't we take a room in this nearby Ritz-Carlton? It's really nice. Do a little staycation. Keep our minds off of things. And he agreed But the night after they spent the night there, he got up early to go to the gym and he saw a bunch of police in the lobby and then they approached him and they said that they had received an anonymous call that there was suspicious drug activity within the car and that they needed to search it. And so he said he was tremendously embarrassed because he's standing out there and it's a really nice ritz Carlton and all these people are like pulling in with their Bentleys and he's out there getting his car searched. But again, the search turned up nothing. However, the very next day, he was on his way to an AA meeting and he needed to get gas. So he stopped to fill it up. And when he popped the gas tank, he found a plastic bag with a handful of pills and what looked like a small amount of cocaine. That is crazy. So he's like, oh, fuck, somebody is trying to set me up they had called the Ritz-Carlton hoping that they would find that and they just had only searched the interior of the car, it seems. So scary. So he tossed it in the trash, but now he's on high alert because he's like, whoa, somebody's coming after me. On March 29th, while grabbing dinner with Dahlia, Mike's car was once again targeted and called in by the police. And this time the police brought a drug dog who alerted that there was something behind the spare tire. And this was the type of tire well that you really have to, like, pry the spare tire out. It's like a whole thing. And it looked like somebody had put the tire back in incorrectly, which was very confusing to him. But underneath the spare tire that had to be pried out, they found a cigarette package with a gram and a half of Coke inside. And this just made no sense. So he immediately starts crying. He's like, this is the third time that this has happened to me. Somebody's trying to set me up. I'm freaked out. I don't know what's going on. I'm clean. Give me a drug test. Test me for cocaine. I've been clean and sober for six years. And he's like losing his mind at this point. And Well, that's so frustrating for someone who actually
0: is recovered and constantly working to try to stay on the wagon and then you're getting set up because obviously the default for the cops and the parole officer is to believe that he's lying.
1: It is because he's still on probation and he has a record and it is, it's six years sober is such an accomplishment and to have all of that questioned and potentially lose everything. He could go back to jail for, I don't know, it's Florida. Who knows for how many years? Yeah. But luckily they believed him. They thought having a gram and a half of Coke in this very hard to get way, it did seem sketchy. It seems suspicious. And they were like, we just are inclined to believe you. So we're going to let you go, which is a miracle. And I mean, they could also
0: drug test him and see that he doesn't have any drugs in his system, too.
1: Exactly. And I think a gram and a half is not enough for them to believe he had any intent to sell. So if he's clean and his drug test is clean and it's not an amount that he'd really make any money on, then what's the point? So leaving the police station, Dahlia was driving and it was the first time that he said, did you have something to do with this? Because how the hell? The gas tank is one thing. How the hell did it he get inside his car that he keeps locked in the spare tire compartment?
0: Yeah, she fucked up there. Yeah. It should have stayed on the outside.
1: He's like, uh, did you do this? Did you plant this shit? In my car, and she didn't even deny it. She just started driving like a mad woman. She started going 100 miles per hour, unsafely, going all over the highway. And he was freaking out. So he's like, Stop, please stop, just pull over, pull over. And she would not stop driving like that until he dropped the conversation. Yeah. So that's like, you'll see over and over again that she has a very childlike response to things. That's I'm not going to respond to you and I'm going to start distracting you with a terrible behavior until you're begging me to stop that. I'm just going to start screaming, basically, until you, you do what I want, which is stop talking about this. Well, she must have felt the heat because the next day, Dahlia admitted that she knew what happened to the $191,000. Oh,
0: I can't wait to hear what this is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was the victim Of a wire transfer fraud scheme. What? That she thought she was getting a good deal and saving on service fees by going through this guy. But turns out that she wired the money and he just took it and disappeared and she can't find him. So, oops, we lost all of our money. Mike knew people are scammers. He had been a scammer. So he believed her. She seemed genuinely upset. She was very sad about what happened in the position she put their money in. And he's like, look, I don't know what we do at this point because also they couldn't really go to the police because he had hid all that money that they were using. So I think that that's why they didn't immediately go to the authorities about this. So she's like, okay, but I have another thought. I think we should still focus on getting you paid up with this restitution. And I know that you still have $141,000 left in your savings. I think it's crazy, but I think we should just use all the savings. You didn't want to do it before, but let's just do it. I'll cover our living expenses. I'll take care of everything, baby. You put the one forty one in and then I know this guy, he'll loan you the last $50,000 and then you're paid up. And then we just don't have to think about it. So Just trust me. We'll go with this guy. He says, okay. Wow. Wow. (laughs) He's a scammer who's getting scammed. Well, it's basically how they described it, how Elizabeth Parker and Mark Ebner described it in Poison Candy, is that he's like a low-level scammer. He's like really like somewhere down deep, has this heart of gold. He's a hard worker. But he's had a lot of challenges in his life. And if there's an opportunity for something to be easy, he believes that he can hustle it, he can get it. But he's also very alpha. So he's attracted to women that are like that, too. But he thinks he's like the alpha scammer. (laughs) He's like a six and she's like an 11 on the scamming stage. It's like they compared it to guys who go to strip clubs and they're like, oh, yeah, I can't get hustled. I'm a hustler. And then they get totally hustled. Yeah. So for whatever reason, and in his defense, he said she just was so successful. She always had her own money. She took me out to dinner. She took care of me in other ways that I didn't even see it coming. So of course, this goes badly. He gives his remaining $141,000. He gives to this guy. This guy writes a check for one hundred and ninety-one, dollars And apparently there was some, I don't know if his attorney quit in the middle of this. He got a new attorney. But he had a cashier's check that may have been real, may have not been real. I'm not entirely sure about this. But it was to Mike's old attorney. And when he got a new attorney, obviously, they needed the new attorney's name on this cashier's check. So he called the guy and he's like, hey, I have a new attorney. All you got to do is issue a new check, cancel that one, issue a new check with my new attorney's information on it. And the guy was like, oh, I'm sorry. My account's been frozen and then stopped taking his calls. (sighs) Yeah. So, of course, he's back to Dahlia being like what the actual F is going on, Dahlia. This guy, you said it's your friend's husband. I could trust him. They've been over there. The guy had a nice house. Like, he's like, what is going on? And she's like, I don't know, baby. And I'm just so emotional because I just found out that I'm I'm pregnant. pregnant. My hormones are like off the chart. Are you even a female scammer? If you don't say you're pregnant at some point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I just can't with the stress with the baby. And he really wanted a baby. So he was really excited about this. So he's like, look, I'm confused. I'm broke. But I want to make this work for our family.
0: Oh, my God, this poor guy.
1: I know. He's going through the ringer. They even started going to a marriage counselor. He was doing everything he could to try to make this marriage work. And then... He obviously is still working out his restitution situation, but he has no savings now. So Dahlia offered to pay the retainer on a new, yet another attorney. And he agreed because he was like, I don't have any money and I need to figure this out. And the new attorney told him that it looked bad that he had this house and that he should probably like file for bankruptcy if he really didn't have any money. But he had the house in his name and that's going to screw up the whole restitution thing because they think he has money. They might make him sell it. So he should definitely deed it over to Dahlia so that it's not in his name. And so it doesn't look like he has anything that he could pay people back with. And he says, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. Oh, I'm laughing, but poor Mike. I mean, oh,
0: it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And also at the same time, There were the drug busts going on and he got a letter when he got out of the gym one day that was on his windshield that was essentially extorting him for 40 grand. And so he's like, what is going on? Who's targeting me? And his wife's pregnant. He's lost all of his money. So in six months, they have been married six months. He is now out $241,000. He has been almost gone to jail for drugs multiple times. He has a mysterious harasser trying to extort him. And he's now signed his house over to his wife. Yeah. Six months. I mean, you got to hand it to her. This is some A-plus scumbaggery. Real hustle. Yeah, this is the hustle. Uh, Well, to make matters worse, Mike was recovering from liposuction that he had on his back while Dahlia was nursing. Wait, wait. I don't know why he's getting liposuction when he has no money. Again. I do not know. I can't tell you. I'm not in Mike's head. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The prosecutor who wrote the book, Elizabeth Parker, said that he was a complicated fellow who really did deep down have a good heart, but he makes some questionable decisions. Let's just leave it at that. So he's recovering from liposuction and Dahlia's nursing him back to health. And during this time, he also seemingly contracts food poisoning. So he is violently, violently ill for a week. So it seems like in six months, Mike's dream life with his dream wife has turned into quite a nightmare. Yes. The crescendo of the nightmare occurred on the morning of August 5th, 2009. Dahlia woke up early and decided to hit the gym. This was the first time that Mike had ever known her to go to the gym early by herself. Mike was kind of jealous about it because that was his outlet, but he was still laid up after the plastic surgery. And she was like really in a good mood. She's like, well, maybe I'll just get a Starbucks afterwards. I love you so much, baby. And he's like, "Ugh, it's early. Just go. It's six in the morning. I think at this point, 5:30, 6 in the morning, something like that. Is she still pregnant? She is still pregnant. Yes. Quotation bunny fingers, pregnant. And so he's like, you just get out of here. I just need some more sleep. So he's really bleary eyed. She leaves. He falls back asleep, and it seems like two minutes later, all of a sudden he's woken up with this crazy loud banging on the door. So he's like, did she lock herself out? And she needs her iPod or something. Oh, God. So he schleps down these stairs. It was like two flights of stairs. And he opens up the door, and instead of finding Dahlia, he is faced with a ton of police officers and TV cameras. What? Yeah. So he's like, I'm getting arrested. Something happened. He's like, what am I on fucking cops? What is going on here? Interesting fact, he was indeed on cops. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <Yes>. Shut up. <laughs> cops, bad and boys, show. bad boys. What, you gonna, what you gonna do? What you gonna what do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we come, come for you? you? Yes, he's on cops. And he's like... I'm getting arrested, so maybe somebody successfully set him up. He's getting arrested. But then the cops don't make any move to arrest him. They just asked oh my if God. he was. Poor guy.
0: guy's probably terrified.
1: He's freaking out. he's still recovering from liposuction, so he's not looking well. It is really early in the morning. He's really bleary-eyed. And they just ask him, "Are you Mike Dipolito?" And he says yes." and they said, "Sir." Your wife is going to have you killed. You have to come with us. What? I mean, can you imagine being him in this moment? So he's just standing there and he is blindsided. The cameras are in his face and all of a sudden, all of the strange happenings start like He's putting it together within seconds in his mind about, wow, okay, this is starting to make sense. Like, of course, of course she's trying to kill me after she took everything. Oh my God. And it was like the fog of the sex fog, the sex and love fog lifted. And what was left was a landscape of disappointment, anger, shock,
0: betrayal. Instead of just like companionship and partnership, it was just like complete fuckery and betrayal
1: it was a grift and then she wasn't even gonna leave him alive after that she was gonna kill him on top of it so he's trying to process this and he's also like can I get dressed he wasn't even dressed and they're like yes but you've got to hurry because she's on her way back there's no truer way to say I love you than by taking care of each other that's why this year the gift of health is all you need And with Everly Well, you can find 30-plus at-home lab tests, vitamins, supplements, and more for every person on your holiday list.
0: Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you with personalized results and accessible tools for long-term health.
1: With over 30 at-home lab tests and high-quality vitamins and supplements, you'll be able to find the perfect test for you or your loved ones. The women's health, food sensitivity, and celiac disease screening tests are only a few of the options. Here's how it works. Everly Well ships product straight to you or your loved
0: one with everything needed in one package. If you ordered an at-home lab test, the sample can simply be collected at home and shipped back to a certified lab in the prepaid envelope included with the test. Digital physician-reviewed results are sent straight to your preferred device in just days. If you ordered vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals. And now you can help your loved ones do the same.
1: Andy, this company offers something so uniquely valuable. One of the best things we've done as a family is to take advantage of more extensive testing to truly learn how our bodies process food. Sometimes it's things you wouldn't have even thought of. For instance, I learned that I have a sensitivity to shrimp, which is... A huge bummer because coconut shrimp is like my life. (laughs) But we also found out that Nathaniel has a sensitivity to pork, which blew our mind because he was being so healthy with paleo, but was still getting inflamed. And now we know exactly why that was. The fact that Everlywell makes this testing so easy and at home is really a game changer.
0: Absolutely. I love that the women's test measures key hormone levels and helps women understand what's going on with their bodies that may be impacting how they're feeling day to
1: day. The gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday. For listeners of the show, EverlyWell is offering a discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash lovemurder. That's everlywell.com slash lovemurder for 20% off your next at-home lab test everlywell.com lovemurder. Gifting
0: is hard. Bombas makes it easy with socks, underwear, and t-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're thoughtfully designed with the softest materials. And they do good because
1: for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone in need. Andy, Bombas really do solve all of my gift giving needs. Even my pickiest friends and relatives cannot deny how soft and comfy Bombas products are. And everyone loves the fact that this is a company that gives back.
0: Bombas socks, underwear, t shirts, and slippers are cozy upgrades to everyday basics and the perfect gift for
1: everyone on your list, including yourself. Oh, absolutely. Guys, we are in Uruguay, or I'm still in Uruguay. Andy was just with me, and I literally made her wear my slippers because they are so comfortable. Both of us are running around with our little matching slippers. Yeah, pat, I like, did not want to take them off. <laughs> and that's because Bombus uses materials like premium Pima cotton and ultra soft, never itchy merino wool in their socks and T-shirts and fuzzy Sherpa linings in their slippers. No wonder merino wool is my favorite. Bombas
0: Holiday Collection puts a modern twist on traditional festive colors and designs. Think rich purples and greens, geometric snowflake design, sweater-inspired textures,
1: and retro ski patterns. With family sets, you can match with your family and friends in exceptional comfort and style. Hello, frameable holiday group photo. And
0: did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one item for every item you buy. So far, Bombas has donated over 75 million items of clothing. That's
1: a whole lot of comfort and a whole lot of good. Give the good this holiday season with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash lovemurder and use code lovemurder for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash lovemurder, code lovemurder for 20% off. Bombas.com slash lovemurder, code lovemurder. So six days earlier, an informant had come forward to the police and give evidence that Dahlia DiPolito was trying to hire somebody to murder her husband of six months. In those few days, the detectives were able to gather ample evidence of Dahlia's plot, (laughs) set up a fake undercover cop hitman, create a fake crime scene and essentially fake Mike's death. So when she comes back from the gym, she believes that the hit has gone through and that her husband has been killed. Oh my God. Yeah. So let's rewind and talk about what our diabolical diva has been up to for the last six months while Mike has been trying to keep his head above water. Well, it turned out that Mike thought Dahlia would be the perfect wife And she thought he'd be the perfect mark. Dahlia had a burner phone throughout the DiPolito's marriage. She told Mike that the phone was used for her real estate dealings. But the truth was that Dahlia had only ever in her entire career as a real estate agent closed one singular deal. And that was when she sold Mike the townhouse that she eventually convinced him to deed over to her.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Instead, that burner phone was used to contact sex work clients, other lovers, and potential hitman to get her pesky husband out of the way after she had wrung every last penny out of him. Only a couple weeks after Dahlia and Mike were married, she concocted the scheme to rob him of all of his restitution money by oh-so-generously offering to take care of it for him. Obviously, she had no plans to ever actually pay his restitution or the money she stole from him back. So she had to figure out a way to make him disappear, which meant he either needed to go to jail for violating his parole or he needed to die. With that in mind, she reconnected with an ex-lover named Mohammed Shahade, who she believed would know just the right people to frame or kill Mike. Either one was good with her. Mohammed is quite the character. He was a 32-year-old Jordanian who'd come to the United States when he was only a year old. He was a pretty good-looking guy. I mean, good-looking enough to attract the attention of a TV producer at a Miami nightclub and land a very small role on the show Burn Notice as a terrorist, of course. Oh, my God. I know. It's like, oh. But of course. His acting career did not really take off, but he managed to amass a small empire of check-cashing convenience-type stores all over South Florida. It was at one of his stores that 18-year-old Dahlia, whom he knew by the name Delilah, walked in nearly a decade earlier. He was immediately taken with her jet black hair, her emerald eyes, and nice figure. He described Dahlia as looking like the devil's jewelry. Did she really have green eyes? She did, yes. I think she's very pretty. I really do. Either way, she had a way around men. Even if you don't think she's gorgeous, she worked it. Mohammed and Dahlia dated very casually. It was definitely more of a friends with benefits type situation. And this was due in large part because she's a sex worker. Well, no, I don't even know if she was at this time. Maybe she was. It was because she was really annoying. Oh, yeah. Ma- <laughs> he was like a super attracted to her. But he said that her personality was two-faced and that when she didn't get her way, which we've seen in her relationship with Mike, she erupted into tantrums that were very juvenile. So he already was like, this isn't going to work out. And also his family was setting him up in an arranged marriage. So he already told her, this is not going to work out long term because I'm going to marry this woman that's been selected for me for my family And her father was Egyptian, so she knew all about that type of lifestyle and setup. And she was like, you're so dumb for doing this. Don't do it. Be with me instead. And he's like, no, I have to do this for my family. And she's a great girl. (laughs) He's like, no, you're annoying. Absolutely (laughs) not. You're terrible. (laughs) And it got to the point where on the night that his bride was supposed to arrive, she was refusing to leave his house like a brat. Oh, my God. Like I'm going to be here when she gets here. And he's like, no, you're not. So... Despite the fact that he broke it off with her, he still slept with her while he was married to his new wife. And also, his wedding, his whole shit is very messy. Muhammad is a very, very messy character in this drama. He apparently married this woman, was still sleeping with Dahlia. Then he went to Vegas, met a woman in Vegas, and started having a tour affair with her. Then this woman that he met in Vegas. Won a $2.3 million jackpot on a Wheel of Fortune slot
0: machine. I love the Wheel of Fortune slot machine. That's my favorite.
1: Is it the best one? (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently it pays out well. So after she got this money and they've been having this affair, she moved to Palm Beach so she could be near him. So he divorced his arranged marriage wife. Are you allowed to do that? I don't think he cared so that he could get engaged to jackpot. But then, I'm just gonna call it jackpot. But then he got into a physical altercation with somebody in Jackpot's family and ended up getting charged with aggravated assault. And then, two days after he got out of prison, he remarried his arranged marriage wife, two days. But then, <laughs> there's more, after he got out of prison, I guess he was like, he was bailed out, but Jackpot and her family dropped the charges. So, only six months after he married his wife for the second time, he divorced her again so he could be with Jackpot. And then he had a baby with Jackpot. Oh my God. Messy, 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 Muhammad. So, at some point of this, Dahlia fell off. I mean, he was busy. And she ended up moving to California, where I think this is when she began doing sex work and she began becoming a madam. And she also met that guy, Michael Stanley, whom she was living with when she met Mike. Now, talking about Michael Stanley, she had pulled him into this plan as well. He was the one. So she's trying to find somebody to set up or kill her husband with Muhammad. And then with Michael Stanley, she's having him make all these fake calls for her. So he was the one calling in all of the drug anonymous tips. He was the one who pretended to be her OBGYN so she could fake her pregnancy. Spoiler alert, guys. I think you figured this one out, but she's not pregnant. What? (laughs) Gil Breeze. (sighs) So he was like involved in this, but he was not involved in any sort of murder plot. She was telling him, oh, this guy's got connections to the mafia and I'm worried about trying to divorce him and I think he'll take all my money and there's so many reasons I can't just divorce him. So we have to get him put away so that I can go back to you and we'll start our life together again because this was all a big mistake and I actually love you. Whoa! He's making all these fake calls on her behalf. And meanwhile, she had a totally different sob story for Mohammed She told Muhammad that Mike was a violent, abusive, totally juiced up steroid drug addict who was terrible to her. And she was worried. She used like the same like, I think he's connected. You think he could hurt me? I just need to get out of this marriage. And Muhammad was a little skeptical. He's been around this block with Dahlia before. And he knew that she was prone to exaggeration, if not straight up lying And she never had any sort of bruise or visual confirmation of the abuse on her body, which in general, I agree with that you don't need a sign to prove you've been abused, obviously. But with him and her and their history, he's kind of like side-eyeing her about it. Like, really? You're abused? Okay. But he liked her enough. And apparently they were still somewhat physical together. That he's like, look, I'm going to hook you up with this guy I know he had at one of his stores was across from a police station. And he had become friendly with one of the undercover narcotics cops. And he's like, "I I know this guy. If he's really dealing drugs out of your house, maybe he can set something up. So apparently this officer did speak with Dahlia several times. But he found her super sketchy, especially because... This is his job. He's a cop. And she kept offering to pay him. Did she know he was a cop? Yeah. Muhammad told her. I think that maybe she thought he was a crooked cop because she's like, well, what do you need me to pay you for busting this guy? And he's like, nothing. This is my job. And eventually he just was like, "Okay, something bad is going on here. And he's like, I'm going to stop talking to you. If you really think your husband's dealing drugs, you need to contact your local police station and local police officers because he wasn't in her jurisdiction anyway and so he's like uh goodbye not dealing with you so next dahlia asked muhammad for xanax so those were likely the pills that he was using that were found in the gas cap and muhammad did have a very bad problem with xanax he had a legit prescription for anxiety but he overindulged he ends up getting interviewed by the prosecutor and by the police. And they said there was sometimes he was on so much Xanax he could barely talk. He was like slurring his words. So he had a lot of Xanax to give out, it sounded like. So he's like, look, you came to me and you're saying that this guy's abusive and now you're trying to set him up on drugs. What are you doing? And she admitted that she was independently trying to set him up on drugs and that She had done it several times. She said that a lot of times she called when he was at a location and he left before the police got there. So those three times were just a drop in the bucket. Jesus. Yeah, and Mohammed unintentionally kind of got pulled into all of her schemes because he was, like, allowing her to help him out and do things for him now. Like, she bought him a $38,000 used Range Rover She was like, oh, I'll buy it for you, but you'll have to give it back eventually. But it's kind of a gift, but it's kind of not. And so he was driving around this Range Rover. She bought him with the restitution money that she had stole from Mike. And so every bust was failing. They're just not getting this guy put in prison. So in early April, Dahlia demanded to see Mohammed, and ended up meeting him at this urban wear store that his cousin owned. So she's talking to Mohammed and his cousin and she's kind of saying, hey, I'm trying to keep him off my back. I said he, I was pregnant and just to like tell him to like buzz off. But now we have this friend who's supposed to be pregnant at the same time and she's showing and I'm not. And there's all this other shit going on and I'm getting really desperate. I really need him to just go away. So can you just find somebody to kill him for me? And Muhammad's laughing at her. But she, like, came in hot. so she is wearing this like tiny little mini dress, no bra, looking like sex on a stick. And now she's yelling in the middle of this clothing store about it's not funny. he needs to die. You need to find somebody to kill this guy for me. So even if she hadn't been screaming about killing her husband, she would have been attracting a lot of attention based yes, on what, what she, she was, was wearing. wearing, yeah. And so this guy was in the store who was a gang member of this South Florida gang called Buck Wild. And he overheard what she was saying. And he's like, are you serious? Because I think I know somebody that could kill your man. And Muhammad and his cousin at this point are like, "No, no, 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 no. OK, let's walk this back. You're being crazy. Nope. She doesn't want anyone dead. And she's like, I do. Let's go outside. Let's talk. I want to cap my husband. Let's do this. Oh, my God. Yeah, this stranger, this perfect gang member stranger. So they get outside and he's like, I'm not going to do the gig. But I think you want to talk to Larry Coe, who's this dangerous guy, really, really dangerous gang member. Larry comes out to meet her. He's just like hanging out at the mall. I don't know if they called him, but anyways, Larry pops over, (laughs) pops over for a murder talk and she doesn't want her car involved with any of this. So she's like, I'll just get in your car with you, Larry, and we'll go for a drive. And then like a bunch of other gang members get into another car and follow their car. So Muhammad at this point is like, see you never. You're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely not. See you never. But then 45 minutes, they come back in and Larry Cole comes up to Muhammad. Cause they knew each other kind of just from this neighborhood, I think. Yeah. And he's like, Boy, that girl is crazy. She's freaking nuts. Like he's scared. I think he's scared of her. He's like, she's got some crazy ideas. She's done some crazy shit. I'm not getting involved in this. He's like, she's already involved the police with all of these like drug bust things that she's been doing. Suspect, the way she wants him to go down is like at a bank. We're definitely going to get caught. We're absolutely not doing this. So he's like, no, thank you. But she, like, ended up going down to the store and pestering people if they knew him and if she could get his phone number for days until she got it. And then she called him 13 times that he didn't answer before she gave up on Larry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, I think that... I know she said this to a friend of hers that she was like looking into poisons, but Muhammad also believed that when he was sick that week, when Mike was sick from the plastic surgery and got really sick, that she had been poisoning him with antifreeze to try to kill him. So on July 31st, Mike signed the deed over to Dahlia and she called Muhammad at that point begging to see him. She was like, hey, this just didn't work out with Larry. You gotta help me find somebody else. And he's like, dude, like, I don't know what to tell you. This is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. Just divorce the guy. And she's like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. And so they're driving around for a little while. And he stops at a convenience store to get a Red Bull and some cigarettes. And he comes back to the car and she is trying to steal his gun that he leaves in his glove compartment. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing with my gun? And she's like, I'm just going to borrow it and take care of this. And he's like, oh, like hell you are. With my gun? With my gun? Are you crazy? And that point he was like, she's unhinged. There's nothing I can do here. I'm going to get in trouble. She's going to set me up. She could make it look like I did it. Now we've been hanging out together. She bought me a car, like all this stuff. She could make it look like I'm in love with her and I want to get rid of him. He's like, I'm out. So he called his attorney and he's like, this is what's been going down. What do I do? And his attorney's like, you go to the police. You go to the police right away and you say what she's trying to do. At the same time, this is so sad. Mike genuinely loved Dahlia's grandparents and mother, and he used to watch baseball with her aging grandfather. And the grandfather was obsessed with and loved baseball, but had never been to a professional baseball game. So he had just, well, this is, well, she's ordering this hit, or trying to. He had just shelled out three grand, which again, I do not know where he gets this money, to take the entire family to a baseball game and get really nice box seats for her grandfather. So he's like planning this. (laughs) Well, she is planning his murder. So the first thing the police do is that they mic Muhammad up and they also put a camera in his car. So you can see these, if you go on any YouTube, True Crime Daily was what I watched, but you can find it almost anywhere. It's like on the Snapped and everything. And they have a recording of her having this conversation with Muhammad, who is still trying to tell her that this isn't a good idea. And that he does know somebody, but he just is like, I just don't think you should do this. And he's like, what's going to happen after he dies? Like, isn't his mom, isn't your mom going to be like, Dolly, didn't you have something to do with this? And she's like, no, me. No one's going to think I'm a murderer. No one would ever think I did it. No, of course not. No. And she gave him $1,200 to give to the guy he knew. So they're t- they talking about this, and now they have it on camera that she wants to pay him. They have it on camera that she's forking over the $1,200, which is a down payment on $20,000. And the only thing that they're fighting about is that Muhammad wants to get a key because he said that his guy wants to do it privately, cleanly, in their house. And he needs a key to get in. And she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know about that because I don't want him to rip me off. Like... Then my key's floating out there. What if he steals a bunch of stuff while he's there? Or what if he just comes in and burglarizes the place and... That's what you're worried about? Yeah, and then Mike doesn't even die. The worst The worst thing that could happen is that my husband's not even dead. And so he's like, well, we'll talk to the, the hitman about this, but I got to intro you to him. So the next thing they do is Mohamed introduces him to a guy that they... It's an undercover cop. It's a Haitian undercover cop named Woody Jean. It's like W I D Y, but it sounds like it's pronounced more like Woody. Woody, and they picked him because he's a great undercover cop, but also because he fit her idea of a hitman. And so now they have camera, they have wire for Woody Jean too, and she is straight up like, "How do we do this? What's going to go down?" let's go forward with it. Oh, gosh, I forgot to tell you the funniest thing about Muhammad getting wired. So Muhammad is getting wired, and he's like, okay, just don't put it in my underpants. And they're like, why would we put a wire in your boxers? And he's like, because the first thing she likes to do when she sees me is give me a blowjob. So she'll find the wire if it's in my underpants. Well, that is a fine how-do-you-do, I have um, to say. Yeah, her popularity might might make a little bit more sense now. So back to the guy that she thinks is the hitman who is really the undercover cop, Woody Jean. He's like, look, I'm not going to do it publicly because she was like, oh, he's going to go, he has to go take some money from the bank. You kill him at, like, at the bank or coming out of the bank, you get the money too. He's like, no, it's too public. I'd have to get like a different car. I'd have to do all this stuff. He's like, I'm not doing that. I just want to come into your house well, he's ideally sleeping and she's like, he's laid up from liposuction. Come in. I put two in his head and I'm out and you make sure you're out of the house and you have a good alibi. She's like, yeah, I'll go to the gym. We got this. They set up a date. They set up a time, everything. And he says to her between now and when it's done, you know, you're not going to have the option to change your mind. And she said, there's no changing. No, I'm determined already. And he said, you definitely want to do this. And she said, I'm positive, like 5,000%. Sure. Blinded by her desire to kill him. Exactly. Not even thinking this through. And I mean, Woody Jean has to be like, oh, I got everything I need. Oh my gosh, I asked you three times. You've handed money over. Come on. (laughs) It could not be any clearer. So with that, they then set up the fake crime scene. They whisked Mike out of there. Jesus. Yeah, so he's safe now at the police station. And they call her back and they say, we have an issue. This is the police. There's something's happened at your house. You need to come home right away. So she races over, parks her car, runs over, hears the devastating news and collapses into his arms. And I have to say, I think the performance is pretty good. If you slow it down, though, and the prosecutor and and authors made this point, is that she's shaking, she's crying. It seems real, but if you really look at it, she reacted just a little too fast. The words that her husband had been killed and shot weren't entirely out of the police officer's mouth when she started reacting. Stop. So she jumped on her line, she rushed it, she jumped the gun. Jumped the gun. So, they take her down to the station and they're telling her, obviously, we're taking you down to the station to try to figure out who would want your husband dead. And we just have to ask you a few questions. So, they get in there and she's like, Well, he's on probation. It was one of the first things she said when she's like, He's dead. They're like, He's dead. She's like, He's dead. Oh my gosh, he's on probation. Like, that was supposed to be a part of it. <laughs> like, one of her first things she said. And
0: as if they don't know.
1: As if they don't know. Yeah. And so she's like, he's on probation. And there's all these people who want money from him. And there's some really bad people. And there's this ex business partner, and we were getting extorted. And now it's all making sense. It's all making sense that there's been this person after him. Oh, I'm shocked. So she also at this point has to sign a release because this is all for cops. Remember? So she has to sign a release. She doesn't really want to sign it. She didn't know, obviously, that cops was going to be there.
0: Yeah, I wonder what the release, like, I wonder if she, did she read it?
1: I have no idea. I just know that I think the police officer told her to sign it. And then a, like, assistant director or something also came back and, like, reiterated it. And she signed it again. So, yeah, I don't know. But she was not initially happy about this. The other thing is that they Mirandized her pretty much right away, which is, like, question mark, if I'm not a suspect, why are you Mirandaizing me? And they were like, oh, you know, it's just protocol. When's the spouse? So she's like, all right. So this goes back and forth for a little while of her trying to say that there's like this mystery boogeyman or there's a lot of people that would want him dead because he's not a good guy. And she's trying to make it sound like they've been married longer. They're like, well, how long have you been married? She's like, mm, not even a year. And it's, it's been six months. It's like you just say six months or like half a year. And then they're like, "Okay, well, we think we have a suspect. We looked at some security footage and we saw this man leaving your house. Is there any reason why a black man would be leaving your house at this time? And she's like, no. And they're like, oh, we got him into custody. We got the guy. So she's like, "Okay, great. And they're like, we're going to bring him in. (laughs) We're going to bring him into the interview room to see if you recognize him. Which they would never do if they didn't know she set up this hit. Like if this was really yeah, the victim's wife. They wouldn't bring the suspect into the interview room. But in this case they're doing it. So they bring in Woody Jean, the undercover cop, like in handcuffs. And he's like looking down and refusing to talk. And they're like, Do you know who he is? Look, sir, look up. Like, you look up, man. And it's like and she's like, No, I don't I've never seen him before a day in my life. I don't know who he is. And they're like, Do you know this woman? And he's like, No. And they're like Well, then why were you leaving her house? He, like, says nothing. And so they do this whole little dog and pony show. And she's like, I don't know him. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) And so they leave. And they're like, "Okay, the jig is up. We're not going to play this game anymore. That's an undercover cop. And you're arrested for solicitation for murder. And she's like, I didn't do anything. That's originally what she she just says that. And this is like, I didn't do anything. She just keeps saying that (laughs) over and over and over and over. I'm
0: like 5,000% sure I didn't do anything.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So then they're like, and surprise, your husband's alive. And she goes, oh, thank God. The detective's like, oh, thank God. And she's like, I didn't do anything. And so she's like, can I see him? And they're like, no, he doesn't want to see you. But then they handcuff her and they take her out and Mike's in the hall. And so now she's moving to, I got to manipulate Mike into dropping the charges or being on my side. If he can be on my side, I won't be in trouble. So the way that the author has described it is like, she's calling a dog or a pet. She starts just like desperately calling and she's like, Mike, Mike, come here. Mike, come here. Come please. Mike, come, Mike, come, come please. Which yelling at him like a dog from across the police station and he's like no no you can't fix this it's over you can't fix this and she's like why not i didn't do anything (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i'm like channeling lola from big mouth right now literally the the new season (laughs) yeah but she's like screaming now i didn't do anything at all Mike's like, I don't know, there's still the cops cameras are everywhere. He's like, I don't know, maybe I should have just gone and like throttled her for good television. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, obviously, this seems like a really slam dunk case. I mean, I don't know what you say. They they ever on camera working through the middleman of Muhammad, paying Muhammad to pay the hitman, talking to the hitman and saying she's five thousand percent. Sure. Like, I don't even know, like, what a seasoned defense attorney would do with this case. Let's find out, shall we? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) They just play the cops episode in the trial. (laughs) It's a humdinger. And this was a big, big, big case because the karmic justice of this, of her getting the rug pulled out from under her is just so good. And everything about this is just like peak Florida and even more... Somebody had released some of the video footage. So it had already gone viral before the trial. It was on Nancy Grace. The prosecutor in this case saw Dahlia on Nancy Grace before she was even assigned this case. Wow. So it was out there before the cops episode ever aired or the trial happened. So this is getting a lot of media attention. So author Elizabeth Parker was the prosecutor and she presented proof that Dahlia DiPolito had Definitely ordered the hit on her husband. The motive she contended was pure greed. Well, Mike saw love and starting a family, Dahlia saw dollar signs. In six months, she had managed to fleece him out of $241,000, sign the deed of his quarter million dollar house over to her, and absolutely tank any chance he had of getting off parole. So... She wasn't going to give the money back. She needed him to go away, ideally forever. And that was the motivation behind the murder for hire. And I mean, they have so much evidence. They have all of these taped conversations. They have the testimony of Michael Stanley, the lover who'd gotten pulled into this. They have the testimony from the fake hitman, a.k.a. undercover police officer. The only one who didn't testify was Muhammad because he had gotten involved in a very bizarre DUI only a few weeks before. I think it was like three weeks before the trial. This guy, man, he had reportedly left a hotel where his baby mama and I think her son or their son, I don't even know if it was his baby mama, some mama. And he had said he was like going out in the middle of the night to go get food for them at a convenience store. But then, this is his story, he heard this guy playing a rap CD he really liked in the parking lot of the convenience store. And he started like being like, yo man, like what's that, can I get that CD from you? Can I buy it from you? And then for some reason, he like had the guy get into his car to make the CD transaction deal. You mean a CD transaction deal? (laughs) Yes. It's a CD CD transaction deal. So I believe that his story about the CD is not correct. And obviously this must've been drugs, but he, so this guy gets into his car and he pulls out the money. He was going to pay this by the CD for $20. And he puts his wallet back down on the dash of his own car and the guy takes the $20, gives him the CD, pops out, and then gets in his own car and peels out. And when he peels out, he realizes that Muhammad's like, he swiped my wallet off of my dash. And it had $4,000 in it. Cash.
0: I mean, that's your fault for, like, having that much cash on you.
1: <laughs> so then he he starts chasing the guy. But he's on a ton of Xanax, and he gets into a car Oh, wreck. no. <laughs> and he gets... A DUI, So very understandably, they're like, maybe we're not going to have him testify. Yes. Yeah. I think that's not a good look for us, (laughs) our main witness.
0: Yeah. Do they even need him to? I mean, they have all the recordings of him. They
1: have all the recordings. The tapes speak for themselves. They don't need to put put him through
0: that anyway. He's already like did his work.
1: Yes. So the defense's strategy was to say that Dahlia never expected for Mike to get actually murdered. Ever. She said that the whole thing was actually a scheme cooked up by Mike himself so that he could get on a reality television show. Oh, that is rich. That is very rich. Yep, that in fact, they were all in cahoots together, Mohammed being the bit actor who had some small acting roles and her as a wife who was just supporting her husband's desire and goal in life to become a reality star, that they set everything up knowing that this stunt, like the Balloon boy stunt, would propel them to fame. This is a real defense attorney? This is a real defense attorney. Yeah, so Elizabeth Parker is like, (laughs) I do not think so. None of this makes any sense because... Mike isn't on any of these communications. They have all their text messages. They have all of the text messages between Michael Stanley and her plotting her and Muhammad. Michael Stanley and Mohammed have never talked to Mike, ever. He was clearly not in it. He has never tried out for a reality show, ever. He has no dreams of being on a reality show. If you want to be on a reality show, those people try out for 20 different shows.
0: They do things to try to get on one. I know someone who was going to, Try to be on the reality show this one
1: time. Okay. They came to me. Guys, <laughs> this is this is a story for a Patreon bonus. But I was very close to getting on Survivor, Amazing Race, and Big Brother. They actually offered me a spot on Big Brother and I said no. Now I didn't try out for all three of these shows. It just they kept moving me to other shows. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I wanted to be on Survivor first. Yeah. And I would have taken that one, but then it didn't really work out. And, and honestly, I was like twenty three. If I had done Big Brother, I would have just been like super drunk a hot tub and not making the best look for myself, for my family in front of all of America. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad that didn't work out. But having gone through that gauntlet, I know that there's people that desperately want to be on these types of shows and they try out for numerous shows. I didn't even want to be on a reality show and I tried out for three. <laughs> <laughs> I was approached about The Bachelor, too, when I was bartending at Sauncy. I'm sure. Yeah. In any case, this guy had never tried out for a reality show. He wanted nothing to do with this. If it was like his big break was cops, which they didn't know cops was coming, there was no way they could have known that. Cops isn't a big break. Cops isn't a big break for anyone. It's not a good look. No. But he went to pick when he was like recovering from
0: liposuction, from liposuction.
1: <laughs> to have the cameras on him. Like, no. And likely poisoning, but what he thought was food poisoning. So this is not a good moment in his life. It would not be the time that he would choose for his debut. No. Also, another thing is that when Dahlia was taken into custody, in her car that she had taken to the gym at 5.30 or 6 in the morning was a $3,000 Prada bag stuffed to the gills with over $33,000 of jewelry her $26,000 engagement ring and like a buttload of David Yurman stuff that he had bought for her. And as well as the keys to a safety deposit box that Mike knew nothing about. So she really was worried about the killer ripping off their home because he said he was going to make it look like a burglary gone bad. So when she got up to go to the gym, she just gathered all of her valuables and brought a bag and took it to the gym with her. So they're like, if you thought this whole thing was vague, why did you gather all of your valuables up for a thirty-minute gym workout? Yeah, yeah, it's not looking good. No, it's like this is absolutely ridiculous. Man,
0: my feet are really cold. I wish I had some bombus slippers.
1: <laughs> I'm wearing the ones I let you wear while you were here, and they are glorious. They're all toasty. warm and toasty. They're so warm and toasty. my toes are
0: freezing. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, apparently the jury agreed, though, because in less than three hours, they delivered a guilty as fuck. Yes, they did. Dahlia was sentenced to 20 years behind bars. Mike said in an interview after the trial that he was 5000 percent satisfied with the verdict. Get it, Mike. Unfortunately, though, this is not the end of the story. Dahlia's new attorneys appealed and she was actually granted a new trial. And this was on the basis of the viral video footage that so many people had seen before the trial and the fact that the jurors had not been properly questioned about whether they had seen the video, whether they had read any of the media about the case, and if they had already formed an opinion on Dahlia and her guilt. Okay. Okay. So she gets a second trial. This one started in 2016, and it was quite a bit different. She testified on her own behalf, and the defense was a lot better this time. They actually argued that the police had entrapped Dahlia. She had, yes, said some things to Mohammed, but she had never actually talked to a real hitman. She had talked to an undercover cop. So they argued that this was entrapment, that this group of police was corrupt, And it was definitely a more compelling strategy because the second trial ended in a hung jury. They were hopelessly deadlocked about whether or not it was entrapment. And those questions made them decide that they could not deliver a verdict. And so there was a mistrial. Whoa. So now we're on to trial number three in 2017. And meanwhile, the entire time this is going on, they let her stay out under house arrest. So she's been out living her life. I mean, she's in, under house rest, but she's like out. She's not in prison. In the house that she stole from Mike. I think he got his house back. I think that he put her on the deed, but I don't know if he had yet taken himself off the deed. So it was luckily when things went down, there was still some wiggle room there. I think she was living with her mom at this point and she met some other guy. I guess he was an ex-convict and they got pregnant and she had a baby. So she has a baby now. She is going on like a media run. I think she was like pregnant or just having had a baby. So she's like trying to get media favor behind her at this point. And so she has a baby. Mohammed has also had some things happen to him while he was out. He got himself in significant trouble again when he was found unconscious in a hotel room with a dead woman. What? Yep. This is only three months before the third trial. According to a CBS 12 News article by Gary Detman, a friend of Muhammad's claimed that they rented a room together and that he was awoken by Muhammad and a 34-year-old homeless mother named Linda Lavelle when they arrived at the room, all sorts of messed up. They came home at four or five in the morning. The couple at that point, Muhammad and Linda, told this witness that a rich couple was coming to the room later that morning to watch Mohammed and Linda have sex for a $1,000. Then the couple passed out. He said that he woke up at some point and Linda thought Mohammed was overdosing, but she said, I know what to do. And he seemed like he was revived. So then this guy went back to sleep, but then he woke up again around 11 a.m. And Linda was deceased and cold to the touch and... Mohammed was unconscious, and he very nearly overdosed as well, but was able to be revived. On what, Xanax? It was cocaine and fentanyl. Whoa. A medical examiner ruled that Linda had sadly passed away due to acute cocaine intoxication and ruled it an accident. Three months later, Mohammed was on the stand, and he testified against Dahlia at her third trial, and this time, she was convicted. Ugh. Dahlia was sentenced to 16 years behind bars, and she is expected to be released in 2032. Her mother and her sister are currently raising her young son. Shockingly, this is again not the end of the story. Dahlia once again made headlines when she was caught on a prison phone line discussing a possible escape plan with her baby daddy. She suggested that there was this guy in Texas who had escaped prison using this method, maybe something to think about, that somebody could fly a drone over the prison with wire cutters and then she could make like a fake stuffed dummy to give herself a head start. With the wire cutters? I think she was going to wire cut her way out of the how' How is she going to make a fake stuffed the jail? dummy? I don't know. It's, it's on if you listen to the True Crime Daily YouTube. They have the recording on there. If I was her attorney, I could also argue that she was just randomly talking about another guy who escaped because it it could kind of go both ways. Unfortunately, Mohammed, the whistleblower who ultimately saved Mike's life, was discovered dead in his apartment at the age of 40 on October 24th, 2021. It said that they didn't know it was I don't think it was ever released, but I'm I'm guessing it was drug related. But I, I honestly don't know, guys. But I do think we should pour one out for Muhammad because that guy lived a hell of a life in only 40 years. And even though he was clearly far from a perfect guy, he did do a right thing in turning Dahlia in. Yes. Yeah. Mike DiPolito put the pieces of his life back together and he now has a successful real estate business. And as of his last public interview, a very lovely fiance named Gloria. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. For Mike... And I think for everyone who's ever been wronged, living well is truly the best revenge. I guess for Mike, it's living at it all. So <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. Oh, boy. What an episode. Doozy. It's a, it's a, the it's women a Dahlia doozy. Wild. Women gone wild. In conclusion, Andy, if you're going to scam and you're going to scam that much, you better have a better exit strategy than just randomly soliciting strange gang members on the
0: street. Yeah, that's not the best move. And also, like, do you think she knew that there's home safes so she didn't have to pack all of her (laughs) David Yurman jewelry in her Prada bag and bring it to the gym? I mean, at least she's bringing her own weights, you know?
1: What what do you mean? You don't pack $35,000 of jewelry in your Prada bag every time you go to the gym? That's not a normal thing? It's definitely not. And as always, trust your gut when it comes to love so you're 5,000% sure that your partner isn't going to try to kill you. Love you guys. Adios. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Adios.